This episode was co-produced with the Swiss Entrepreneurs Foundation, a nonprofit organization which aims to support startups and promote the Swiss ecosystem capable of commercializing innovative technologies. Over the next few weeks, we will be releasing a total of six bonus episodes. These episodes will focus on the Swiss Entrepreneurs Foundation's Upscaler program, designed to help rapidly growing startups, as well as on the SWESA, the Swiss Entrepreneurs and Startup Association, which represents all companies and institutions that want to further optimize the economic policy framework in Switzerland. To find out more about the Swiss Entrepreneurs Foundation, visit swissef.ch. And now, on with the show. Surely not a country where, you know, uh, the, the risk-taking would be written on every uh, forehead. Uh, it's actually more the contrary, as you know. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show podcast about startup stories and hands-on learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Cody, a very well welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you. Also enjoying being here. Thank you for having me. You are a passionate startup and venture capital lawyer and also a partner at Keller Halskara. And today we're going to talk about your involvement with a Swiss association called Svesa or Swiss Entrepreneurs and Startup Association. So first of all, I'm interested to learn more about why you actually decided to join Svesa. What was your personal motivation to become part of it? Yeah. Very simple uh, reason. I, I'm totally convinced that uh, a political lobbying organization uh, that is speaking on behalf of startups and the venture capital ecosystem is required. Um, uh, why? Not only because I'm trying to make a living uh, in this in this in this in this business area, uh, but also if you look at the more fundamental data uh, surrounding this, um, it's a no-brainer that we should have such a such an organization because in the last. Uh, 10 years, uh, we have had a huge privilege in the sense that numbers of um, uh, investment rounds and the number of invested or the amount of invested capital into Swiss startups uh, has known only one direction, and that was upward. So in other words, we were witnessing a, a great growth development with respect to the Swiss startup and venture capital scene, uh, which is not something that you as a country should take for granted. And uh, uh, it was also uh, the case that in the past few years, uh, there was little coordination uh, in the startup uh, ecosystem. I mean, there have always been some initiatives and in certain uh, industry verticals, you had more um, uh, organizational efforts uh, and undertakings uh, as opposed to others. But there, were, there was never really a coherent, uh, systematic approach to making sure that the startups in this country get a voice on the political level, especially the national uh, political level. And Sueza was exactly formed to do just this. Uh, so for me, it was an absolute no-brainer uh, to, to, to support this. That makes a lot of sense, actually. And what is your role at Sueza? What do you do there? So I'm a board member, uh, and in that capacity, obviously, together with my colleagues, uh, thinking about what should be uh, the strategy going forward, what are the agenda points, 
where do we have pain points in the ecosystem which require uh, attention in the sense that political lobbying um, would be warranted. Um, so we meet okay, uh, periodically in order to discuss the agenda and uh, the progress that we are making, the priorities, etc. So at the end of the day, it's the, the board of an association and we act like you would expect a board of an association to act, uh, except that we uh, always have a lot of fun and that we are really keen to bring about some impact in this area. Yeah, I, I guess that's a crucial part of being involved in such an association. So you already talked about the importance, you know, of having an impact for startups on a political level. So there are still today many political hurdles facing startups in Switzerland. If you have to choose one, what speaks to you the most or what do you really think needs the most fixing from your perspective? And as you mentioned, it's uh, actually difficult to pick one because there are actually a number of uh, of topics that I would like to focus on. But if you really ask me to pick uh, just one for the benefit of our session, uh, it would clearly be uh, the facilitation of access to talents. Uh, we are a landlocked country. Uh, we are small. Uh, we have great universities, so we are creating uh, very knowledgeable people, yes. Uh, but every startup um, that is about to grow um, uh, requires access to talent. And we all know um, it's uh, not easy to recruit personnel in a growing startups for a, number of, for a number of reasons. And Switzerland, as a very expensive country to live in already, um, doesn't have uh, an advantage when it comes to that, despite all the life quality that you have in this uh, country at the same time. Um, but it's, it's a struggle for many startups to get access to talent. Obviously, not so much when we're talking about EU FDA member state citizens. Uh, there we know we can still uh, fortunately benefit from the, from the bilateral treaties. Uh, but when it comes to the so-called third country citizens, Drittstaatsangehörige, uh, there the requirements that you need to meet as a company, as a potential employer, are really extraordinarily high. And there are uh, a few technical um, aspects to that entire process which make it uh, very cumbersome. And that's where I believe uh, the, the yeah, one of the main points, pain points lies uh, from a political perspective. So we should try to focus on, on this area and think uh, about how we can improve the system. Absolutely. And that's actually also, that resonates very well with the community. So we are embedded in the startup community and many companies actually face that challenge that you just described. Four or five years ago, it was all about employee stock option plans and how to tax them or not to tax them. That got at least eased a bit or resolved to a certain degree. And now the next challenge is just around the corner, what, what you just described with the hiring of foreigners. Maybe just to take a step back here, why does this actually exist, this hurdle? Like, is that the history of Switzerland that we just uh, make it a bit more tricky for other people to come here and work from third uh, states? Or what's actually the, the reason why we have this challenge today for startups? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's an understandable constraint uh, that we are looking at. It's not something that is extraordinary also if you compare it to uh, the political systems of other uh, countries, uh, whether they are around us or, or elsewhere. Um, at the end of the day, you want to make sure that your country is not um, attracting too many people who end up 
being dependent on the state because uh, that is the main concern that as a country uh, you will have to make sure that social security is awarded to people who um, cannot make their living uh, so to speak so that's one of the uh, the main reasons and rationales why you would have certain constraints on um, on the on the freedom of, of movement uh, in in general um, the more, um, more from a politically charged perspective, one could also say, you know, uh, that there are views out there, and I'm not here to judge them at this point. Uh, everybody's entitled to his or her view, of course. Uh, <clears throat> but there is surely also a part um, uh, that plays a role where you simply say as a country, you know, we want to make sure that the part of foreigners is not going through the roof uh, for patriotic reasons or similar reasons. Uh, so that may be another fueling factor for the fact that we have these constraints. Absolutely. So now you identified the, the issue that is at hand. Of course, we are also curious to learn about what Sveza is now doing or has planned to actually solve this issue. So what do you have uh, in store for us? What can we expect uh, on that level? Yeah. Uh, so, of course, I would wish to tell you that we have all the solutions already in place and it's just a matter of execution. Uh, as always with political process, it's not that easy, but I still do have some good news in the sense that um, uh, Sueza uh, identified this as one of the pain points, as already discussed. And we were not the only ones. Uh, so also uh, Economy Suisse is looking into this and, uh, and uh, Deloitte made a very interesting study in that respect. And in fact, we were joining forces uh, for the purposes of the last meeting with the group of uh, members of parliament uh, that is connected to Sveza uh, in order to discuss uh, the, the limitations and, and how they affect startups uh, and uh, innovative SMEs in this country. And there is really uh, a momentum uh, at the moment in this topic, uh, which is not something that you would take for granted. Uh, we already talked about the fact that it's a politically charged topic, uh, so it's not easy to have discussions about that. Um, but there seems to be quite a, quite a, a degree of support among different um, uh, stakeholders um, uh, that argue that this country is or must be interested in attracting uh, talent uh, and shouldn't pose too many obstacles, uh, especially to high qualified people. Um, so if uh, people who have exquisite uh, know-how or, or expertise uh, are not uh, really eligible to enter the country because they are third country citizens and the employer is not able or cannot afford to go through the entire process, then we as a country are really losing out uh, on opportunities. Um, so uh, this is shared by many uh, people who look into this. And I really believe that there is a, currently a chance um, to bring about some change because we would obviously not propose to turn the system entirely upside down. Uh, we're not here to make radical changes, but we are here to propose that access of, of highly skilled people or people with a very distinct expertise that is crucial for growing companies and innovative companies, um, that there uh, be a separate, that they are uh, going to be treated like a separate category um, while still observing the overall contingent system, which we have in place in Switzerland. So as mentioned, uh, I think as long as you try not to come across with radical ideas, there is also a basis for making 
or bringing about some some change on the on the on the legislative level and um, we just had uh, i think one week ago um, this session with the members of parliament where we um, also promoted a startup to tell his story about the limitations and constraints that they face um, was a representative of on a company surely everybody knows in this country and hopefully is proud of um, in terms of its achievements and, uh, and the members of parliament that had uh, participated in the session, and they were actually quite numerous, uh, they're really interested in, in learning how uh, this can be improved. And there is still uh, a motion pending in parliament, which is uh, trying to aim in the same direction. And that's why I really believe that there is a certain momentum. And we, uh, as Sveza, will certainly continue to keep close links to the members of parliament that are um, uh, connected to, to Sveza uh, in this framework and make sure that it's going into the right direction and not landing in some in some drawer uh, where it's uh, serving as a dust collector. So this is um, in a nutshell what Sueza is currently focused on. Fantastic. Really glad to hear that there is movement and uh, also progress being made. Just a random follow-up question here. You know, now with COVID, a lot of the work shifted to remote. We meet virtually. So there's also a less big need of really being in the same place, in the same office. So to that degree, do you think that this is also a chance for us to hire people from all over the world that might not be able to get into Switzerland, but still they work from their home country or where they are based, but we would still have the advantage of being able to source internationally. Is that something that, that you also see as a potential trend to at least somehow overcome this issue? To some degree, I agree with you. Uh, clearly, COVID has shown us uh, Zooms, MS Teams, and whatever they are called uh, are there to be used, and, and it can really add to the efficiency of collaboration in general. Um, so the, the digital wave that has come uh, that has come with this COVID crisis clearly mitigates to some degree um, the difficulties that we were just discussing. But I also believe that, the, that it primarily has an impact um, with respect to people who have a very clear uh, job profile, uh, where they have a specific tasks that need to be done, um, uh, where you can typically uh, you know, allow yourself that people are actually placed remotely rather than really integrated physically in your, in your main office or main headquarter or whatever you want to call it. And I think that's exactly the crucial point because uh, for growing companies, Sure, at some point they may need staff on, 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 on more general uh, function levels, uh, but in the very upscaling phase, it's, it's crucial that you find people who know how to scale a company, how to attract the right people, how to make the, the processes uh, efficient within an organization. Uh, and these people are usually C-level or below C-level uh, positions uh, that we're talking about. And I think from a company's perspective, uh, you would not be so open uh, and convinced about the fact that somebody is doing this remotely as opposed to be really sitting with people because I think despite all the efficiency gains that we have with uh, virtual meetings and stuff like that, uh, I think most, if not all, would agree that there are also limitations in terms of you know culture, spirit, uh, and, uh, and some intangible aspects of collaboration um, that you simply don't have in a virtual place. Uh, as opposed to, to working closely together physically. Fully agree. So it can help, but it will not be a sustainable solution to the issue at hand, basically. That's how I see it, absolutely. Makes sense. 
We know interruptions are rude, so we'll make it quick. The more positive ratings we have, the more people we can reach. So if you want to hear more from the Swisspreneur team, give our show a rating on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a minute. So I also wonder, you know, you see both sides now. You see the political level uh, by talking to politicians and being involved on, on that level. But you also talk to many startups. Obviously, they are your clients, but because you're also embedded in the startup ecosystem. So I wonder, what are some misconceptions that you think startup founders have regarding Swiss politics? Yeah, I think, generally speaking, um, and I, I don't know whether this really resonates with uh, the, the, the audience, but I don't think that people, especially founders, perceive Swiss politics as something that of general controversy. I think many people, either because they're Swiss and they've known the system for a long time, or they come from an outside country and see Switzerland uh, as a rather pragmatic country when it comes to the political system. Um, so I wouldn't say that Switzerland per se, you know, uh, presents itself with controversial aspects when it comes to the political system. I actually think it's it's almost to the contrary. Uh, so at least uh, one uh, recurring theme is, and this won't come as a surprise to you, I'm sure, uh, because you surely also heard it um, in other instances, um, people that come from outside, they are always uh, surprised at how low level um, the, the, the contact with the tax authorities in this country is. I mean, you can really pick up the phone and talk to your uh, tax inspector uh, or whatever the function is, and you can also uh, benefit from uh, tax rulings, which is more a technical aspect when it comes to startups. But this is something that is not for granted, uh, that, that shouldn't be taken for granted, because in other countries, it's simply not available. So I would actually, you know, challenge a bit the question in the sense that actually the general perception is good. Um, where I clearly believe, and this may also be the direction that they, where you were aiming at, maybe with your question, um, where I do believe that uh, Switzerland as a country still has a lot of um, catching up to do is with respect to the uh, general entrepreneurial uh, environment and spirit. I mean, there is a lot of entrepreneurship uh, in this country uh, and it's growing from the very uh, small position that I have in this ecosystem and, and from what I'm seeing. Um, but it's surely not a country where, you know, uh, the, the risk taking would be written on every uh, forehead. Uh, it's actually more the contrary, as you know. And so we are rather a, a risk averse society overall. And I think in that context, um, there is still a lot of catching up to do in the sense that we need um, to embrace entrepreneurship and the risks that come with it, together with the opportunities, um, more and more. And in that context, uh, small bracket, I just find it absolutely fascinating to see uh, how our technical universities are uh, evolving um, in, in this area. So if you look at the number of spin-offs that this country produces, it's on an absolute level, absolutely competing with, uh, with, uh, with, with, uh, with other countries, including the U.S. So the output from technical universities in terms of uh, generating spin-offs is really substantial. And that shows that there is a lot of will around, uh, out there to actually take on entrepreneurial risks, which is something that is very, very encouraging for, for all of us, I think. Um, but I still think that the general 
perception and, and, and culture could be improved so that we also don't have to be ashamed if something goes wrong. I mean, we all know uh, that uh, if you go bankrupt with your company, many people would say, oh, you know, he went bankrupt. I mean, uh, have you heard about that? And so you would still have a tendency to feel ashamed, whereas... As the general saying goes in the US, people clap on your shoulder and say, and say, hey, great, now you have an experience more, you know, uh, on to your next adventure. And I think in that context, culturally, uh, there is a lot of catching up to do. But I don't think that we have so much to do with respect to the political system, per se. Fair assessment, I would say. We recently also interviewed Kaspar Copetti, uh, the, one of the founders of ON, and he actually mentioned his co-founder, Olivier Bernhardt, who once said that Switzerland had more I, uh, money than actual ideas. So this goes a bit in a similar direction to what you just mentioned, but what do you think about this assessment? Yeah, it's an interesting assessment, and I would agree in the sense, yes, there is a lot of money available in this country. Uh, and so if that is the case, then you start to wonder or at least ask the question, well, is this money also going into entrepreneurship? Uh, and probably as a general statement, if you look at it from a from a traditional point of view, then I, I would fully agree with the statement in the sense, you know, that there is more money than, than ideas. But if I look at the trends and the recent developments over the past few years, and again, I'm just judging and, and, and observing from, from my little point in this ecosystem, I can clearly see very encouraging signs that actually ideas, not only ideas are picking up, but actual uh, implementation of ideas in the purest sense of entrepreneurship uh, are taking shape more and more, uh, which I think is absolutely important. There is a, or there are actually several studies out there uh, which are not frequently talked about, which measure the innovation uh, power of Switzerland as a country. And I'm sure when I talk to you about innovation power, you would say, well, you know, we always rank number one in all these international rankings. Yes, that's true. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that the studies show that the innovation power of Switzerland over the years has been declining. So we really cannot, you know, just be happy with what we have accomplished and achieved in the past, which was, uh, by the way, mainly fueled by big pharma and, and big companies uh, and not necessarily startups. Um, so we really have to um, uh, take care of the future of entrepreneurship in this country. So every effort and every idea and everyone who thinks about embarking on a new venture um, should be met at least with the possibility to do so, um, which also requires ultimately money and people who are ready to believe in something and take some risk. But I think that the signs are encouraging to answer the question. Uh, I think uh, the, the, the statement is definitely getting more and more out of accuracy, which is good news for Switzerland. Exactly. I also think that the Swiss venture capital report from 2019 showed that there were more than 2 billion invested in just one year in Swiss startups. And I think that's also a really encouraging sign to have this new record, like all-time record. So uh, as you say, the signs and the arrows are showing in the right direction, but we need to make sure to keep the momentum going. Fully agree. And just to add to the encouraging news uh, from what we see and know uh, with respect to 2020, it seems like that we can hold uh, the level uh, that we have achieved in 2019, if not even surpass it. So COVID until now has had a very limited impact on the, on the startup and venture capital market, which is fantastic news.
Absolutely. Probably also thanks to the low interest rates and the money flooding by the central banks. So you need a good investment alternative, basically. <laughs> Truly true. We're not complaining about that. <laughs> That's right. So now we would also like to talk a bit about the future. Um, but before we do so, we want to, of course, also know about some learnings that you made over uh, the past months and years. So basically, when you think about Sveza, what have you recently learned that you say, hey, this may, might not have turned out as planned, but we actually learned this and that, maybe on a political level, but also on an internal organizational level? I mean, Sveza was incorporated in uh, March 2020, so it's still a young organization. There is a limited track record, if you want. But uh, still, I'm happy to, to share some learnings. And I think one of the more surprising learnings uh, from my personal uh, perspective is that um, it would be really wrong to assume that people within the government, within the administration, um, are not interested in making the situation better. So one might think, you know, if you uh, talk about how the situation for startups in this country could be uh, improved in terms of framework conditions, uh, you could assume that people in the administration, they don't really care, you know, they've always done it like this, so they don't want to change. And uh, the interactions that we had with different people uh, or people on different levels within the administration actually point in a very different direction. They are very keen in, in, in learning and in understanding how the situation really is um, and, uh, and what they can do on their own end um, to, to contribute uh, to, the, to the solution. And, uh, of course, those politicians that are connected uh, to, to or that, that form the PG uh, of startups on Untonematum, they clearly have their own uh, very um, enthusiastic uh, interest about making sure that something happens. There it's less surprising, of course, but uh, that within the administration there is so much openness. This was one of the uh, actually encouraging and, and, for me, surprising learnings. Um, that's one thing. Then the second thing is, um, I mean, we are all used to make things quickly and swiftly and, you know, we want to get things done. Uh, we're impatient. Um, and uh, when it comes to political processes, then patience uh, is uh, required. And um, this can be sometimes a bit frustrating. But on the other hand, uh, if you think about it, uh, it's also legitimate in the sense that you really want to make sure that all the stakes stakeholders are properly involved, you know, and if you could make a change like this, and then the result would be that a certain group of stakeholders is totally unhappy about it and, and creates a lot of noise around it, then it's questionable whether this was a good course of action. Um, so uh, what, from what I've seen so far is, yes, it requires patience. Um, so we have to look at it a bit from a different angle uh, as opposed to how we usually get things done. But I think the first point that you mentioned, you know, this openness to learn and really also change things for the better. I think that's something that we can easily often forget in our own startup bubble, where you just think people don't take us seriously. There's nothing moving. So what you just described is for me personally, as a startup or myself, very motivating and, and really great to hear that there's an openness and that things uh, are moving in the right direction. So this is really, really great news from my perspective. We'll do our best that this keeps uh, uh, that, that it keeps that way, and uh, that we can really also, of course, produce some tangible results soon. So, let's uh, let's hope that we can uh, really follow up on the on the startup visa topic uh, and potentially also other topics further down the road. Fantastic! So that's actually a great segue to the next question. What can we expect from you and also Sveza, of course, over the next twelve months? What do you have in store and planned for us? 
Yeah, so as mentioned, uh, the startup visa is surely the main focus point um, uh, where we try to make progress. Uh, that's very clear. In terms of other goals that we want to set is we want to make sure that we uh, better understand where the actual needs of the startups are. So we are looking into uh, addressing or finding out what the, what the needs are more particularly um, in order to refine our agenda because we still have uh, different topics on the agenda that we would like to look into. One is, and I'm just giving here the buzzword, um, access to European venture capital, more specifically the European Investment Fund. Um, that would be a political decision for Switzerland to participate in the EIF, um, which would uh, substantially um, uh, uh, increase the possibility for Swiss startups to attract European venture capital. Uh, and we are, uh, in my view, missing out on, on great opportunities there, uh, while technically it would be possible for Switzerland to um, uh, make an arrangement with the EIF, such as other countries have also done. So I think that is one of the, the topics we want to look into. Uh, all the topics involve maybe a, a bit less sexy topics, so we will certainly see how uh, the tax situation uh, improves or evolves now that certain changes have been brought uh, about. Um, the wealth tax is still for many founders a major concern, and, uh, especially those uh, that have achieved high valuations now and still have a sizable stake in the company. So there we don't have everywhere yet the perfect uh, solution. Um, so that uh, the tax topic in that sense surely remains on the on the on the agenda for Sweden. So we see you will not get bored over the next 12 months for sure. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> So now we talked a lot about Suiza, but we of course also want to know a bit more about you as a person. And therefore we prepared five rapid fire questions for you to wrap up this episode. Are you ready? I'm ready. So the first question is, what was your summer job as a teenager? <laughs> Yeah, there, there used to be a company called Abonia Forster in Aubu, uh, in, uh, in the part where I grew up. And so the, actually the first summer job I got there was together with my uh, long-standing uh, friend from childhood, Champiero. Uh, and we uh, received the task of cleaning the archive or actually tidying up the archive of that company. And it's a very old company. And it was located in the in the Luftschutzkeller uh, of the of the company. So we spent our summers there. Uh, usually, uh, we spent uh, most of the time smoking, which we gladly ceased in the meantime. Uh, but we weren't very productive, to be honest. <laughs> but great memories. <laughs> I'm sure that was a great summer for sure. <laughs> what are you actually most proud of in your life? Proud is a, uh, maybe a, a challenging notion. I mean, what I'm, what I'm certainly very grateful for is that um, both from a personal slash private perspective, I managed uh, to, to find a, a person that um, took it up with me and is still at my side. And uh, we are expecting our first child. So uh, there, a new chapter is to be written soon. Uh, hopefully, if everything goes well. And, uh, and so that is uh, cl clearly something on the private side of which I'm, I'm particularly grateful that this um, is something that I can witness right now. On the, prof on the, on the professional side, uh, definitely, I'm, I'm super happy and, uh, and privileged to have ended up as a startup lawyer. Um, if you are a lawyer, uh, everybody uh, in that realm is looking for, you know, the best fit, product market fit, if you want, where do you fit in with your uh, interests and ideas and skills? 
and um, and I ended up in the startup world, and uh, and uh, nothing could ever change that uh, for as long as I'm practicing a law. Uh, so I think uh, having the opportunity of leading a team at Kalahaska, of being at the forefront of the uh, Swiss startup ecosystem with our practice, is something that is giving me great satisfaction. And that's probably also why we mentioned passionate in the introduction. Um, now we know where that comes from. And <laughs> congratulations on these great news. That's fantastic. Thank you. So three more questions until you're done. Um, now uh, easier choices. Zurich or Bern? Zurich, clearly. Fair chosen, point. chosen home. <laughs> Apple or Google? Maybe I would say in terms of past achievements, uh, Apple, in terms of potential for disruptions in the future, Google. And what do you personally use? Both Apple. or Apple? Okay. No, yeah. And the last one for you today, lake or mountains? Yeah. So I grew up in Thurgau, not too far away from the Lake of Constance. So I'm a lake guy. That's also a clear choice. Fantastic. <laughs> Karim, thank you so much for the insights about Swiss and what you're working on on a political level. Thank you for the great effort. I think it's really important. And uh, we're looking forward to hear and read more from you and all the initiatives that you are working on. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Silvan, for your interest in Swiss. It was a great opportunity to pre present the association and all the best with your uh, great session that you're having here with uh, Swisspreneurs. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, you can support us by rating our show on Apple Podcasts. This way, we can reach an ever-growing number of aspiring entrepreneurs.